It is great to worship together. Um, if you're new, I'm Jack, one of the pastors here. Brian uh, was the other pastor who spoke a little bit earlier, and I'll be back up here in a few minutes. Uh, we got an exciting night uh, to take off with, and before we dive back into the sermon, we've been in this series in the Gospel of Luke, so if you want, if you have your Bible, you can go to Luke chapter 15, or if you have a phone, here's two things you can do right now. One, um, you can actually open up your phone to Facebook. Yes, the pastor said you can open up to Facebook because here's what I'm inviting you to do. We are starting a brand new, as some of you heard at the beginning, kind of a partnership with a company called Reach, and their goal is to help the church be known and to help do good. And we have a passion here about inviting people into a life-giving relationship with Jesus. And so we're wanting to invite people around to be a part of kind of knowing who we are. And we also have a passion to do good. So this is what's going to happen. In March, if you check in, every check-in counts toward getting vitamins to kids in the United States who are in impoverished situations. And every church that's partnered with Reach across the United States is giving into this. So it's not just our church. It's churches all across across the United States, and so we are getting to do this. We're gonna kind of test drive this for about six months and see if it helps us kind of get the word out about Element City Church, and so all you have to do is open up Facebook. There's a little check-in button up there. You just check it. You can post anything you want with there of like, hey, I'm here Sunday nights, or hey, I'm having a good time tonight, or whatever you want to put there, Uh, and then what that does is it gets registered, and it lets people know in your feed that where you are and about us a little bit, and then every check-in, like I said, there's every three check-ins gets one vitamin to a kid, and we're doing that all across the United States, so there'll be thousands of that happening over this month of March. Every month, we partner with a new nonprofit organization, uh, and so we're excited for that and excited to let you know updates of how that's going and what the good is that you're doing with that, so that's one way you can participate. Also, if you go to YouVersion, which is our free Bible app, that not just ours, but YouVersion is a free Bible app, you can click on live events, and you will see all of our notes for tonight. So, you can follow along there in your Bible, any which way you'd like. How y'all doing? Good? You ready for good night? Here we go. Um, take your Bibles, go to Luke 15. Here's what I want you to think about. I want you to think about the valuables you have around your house, your apartment, you're in your car. Maybe you hide out in your car. I don't know. Uh, but think about the valuables that you have access to in life, the things that are valuable to you. Maybe it's a piece of jewelry, right, ladies? Ladies, uh, maybe it's a piece of jewelry that you have um, that maybe, guys, I don't know, maybe you have five chains that are all gold, I don't know. Uh, but maybe you have some jewelry that's special to you. And, and if you were like in a pinch and you would take it to like one of those uh, places that like hawk stuff, they, it, it's valuable to you. It has a price tag to it. Maybe it's an heirloom or so that's been passed on from generation to generation that, that you say, hey, that's really valuable. We got to hold on to that. We got to pass it on to our kids. It's been passed down to you. Maybe it's uh, your man cave TV. You've got like the 140-inch TV that you just got at. I don't know if that's even a thing, but uh, it sounds awesome, doesn't it? 140-inch TV. But maybe you have a man cave TV. Maybe you've got a piano. That'd be cool if you do. Maybe you've got uh, different things accessible to you. Maybe you have a gun collection, a card collection, a Harley collection. I don't know what kind of collection you got. Maybe you've got your iPhone that you're looking at right now. You go, hey, this is like pretty valuable to me because like, a, it's expensive and it has my whole entire life like connected on it, and it's it's something that matters to you. Maybe you have your car. And it's sweet wheels that you, you drive, and it's awesome. Maybe you just have okay wheels, 
but it gets you from point A to point B, and so it's awesome to you. Maybe you have your house or this timeshare retreat. I don't know what it is, but think about what's valuable to you. And the truth is, when you think about it that way, what's valuable to you tends to have a price tag to it. So I want you to think about what it would cost if you were to give that away, or what it would cost if you were to have to go buy a new one of one of those. You got it? You thinking about it? What's the value that it has? See, some things in life have a value and we immediately think of a price tag. But if we're honest, if I'm asking you about what's most valuable to you, I think if we were to go to a deeper level, there'd be things that you would go, hey, well, I have things that are more valuable to me than things or items that have a price tag, things that would go way beyond any price tag. It's my, my family or my friends or my kids. Like, I would never put a price tag on them. You know, maybe when you're angry as a parent, you'd think about it, but you, you wouldn't do it because you're like, hey, this is the reality of, like, there's so much more valuable. So some things in life have a, a price tag, but some things are so precious, they go beyond a price tag, and they have a deep significance and meaning and value to you. Now, think about this question. What's the most valuable thing to Jesus? Do you ever stop to think about it? Is it an item or a thing that comes with a price tag? Is it something different? We've been in this series walking our way through the Gospel of Luke. Gospel of Luke is four Gospel accounts. Remember, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And in those gospel accounts, we're studying the life of Jesus, his life, kind of his heritage, his teaching, uh, how he lived, his, his death, his resurrection, leading us up to Easter, where we're gonna talk about Jesus and you. But tonight, I wanna look at Jesus and, I'm gonna fill in the blank here, with people. I think you can't look at the life of Jesus and his teachings and understanding and get away from the reality that the most valuable thing to Jesus, the most valuable thing to God that's expressed throughout the scripture is nothing that has a price tag to it. It's people. It's you. It's me. It's the neighbor sitting next to you. That's what drives the heart of God. It's what he finds the most valuable thing to be. It's things he cares about, but it's things that he values most is people. If Jesus were to, to say, hey, the most valuable thing to me, I think you would see in the way he lived and the way he interacted with people, the way he took time out of his schedule just to stop and have connection with folks along the way that were maybe seen as interruptions in our day and age. We would be going through our day and we would feel like that was an interruption, but not to Jesus. Because he valued people above everything. If you were to explore his life, you would see that on display. And tonight, I want to look at Luke chapter 15. And this is a, a famous part of scripture. This is a, a scripture that's pretty unique to the gospel accounts. It's the only one you'll find that has three stories told right in a row. Three parables, if you will. Maybe you've heard them called that. They're really stories. They're teaching aids that Jesus is using to teach and it all stems out of this tension in the moment that's building. And I wanna look at that tension that we begin to see because it's a tension that's been building for a while 
in Jesus and how he's interacting with people and the religious leaders and kind of the religious culture of the day back in the first century. And there's a tension-filled moment that's existing here. And so Jesus is gonna go into telling these stories to kind of get at what and push back against that tension to begin to prove and show what he really values most compared to what other people are saying should be valued and should be taken. And so here's what Luke 15, verse one through three says this. Now, the tax collectors and the sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. Now, we've labeled here, but what the Bible is really kind of saying is not giving a label, it's trying to describe the clientele, so to speak, of who's gathering around Jesus and this Jesus movement of how he's living life. And he's saying these tax collectors and these sinners. In in a lot of ways, we would kind of look at it today and we'd say it's kind of like people that if you were just to look at them from the outside, they would say, okay, there's kind of spiritual zeros in a way that they're not very religious. Uh, They're not people who are, you know, maybe showing up at church every week. They're not people who maybe have a heart inclined toward God. They're kind of in their life. They're trying to figure things out, maybe where they're at. Maybe they're confused. Maybe they're struggling. Maybe they're just there, and it's how they know to live life, and that's where they are, but there's something about Jesus and the way that he's teaching and the way that he's living, the way he's healing people and the way he's interacting with people, that people who are very far from God wanted to be close to Jesus, And they begin to hang around. And so it goes on that these are the folks that are hanging around to hear Jesus, verse two, but the Pharisees, those are the leaders, the spiritual leaders of the day, the teachers in the temple courts and all that, the teachers of the law, they were muttering. That's a key word there. Because it wasn't a blatant thing. It wasn't like an outright, out loud, bullhorn kind of moment. They were just muttering maybe to themselves, maybe to the disciples around Jesus. They were just kind of had this internal conversation going on. How many of you have ever had a moment at work where you had an internal conversation going on that you're trying to keep hush from getting out loud, right? Anyone? Seriously, no one? Okay, a few of you, okay. So you've had those moments, that's muttering. It's like, well, (laughs) I'll get coffee. Um, But in your mind, you've just played out a whole conversation that you won, by the way. Um, And you've got some tension building. These teachers of the law, they're muttering, this man welcomes sinners and he eats with them. Think about that. In their context, what they're saying is not only are you allowing those people, the thems, of the world to hang around you, like you're actually breaking bread and like hanging out. So meals back then were like two hour ordeals. They weren't fast food. There was no like Burger King on the way, right? So meals were extensive. It was highly relational. And Jesus is hanging around with people that the religious leaders and those who are spiritually minded maybe back then in the first century going, I don't know if that's who you should be spending all your time with. I don't know if how this gels. Doesn't God call us to be separate? Doesn't God call us to be holy? Doesn't, and all these questions are going on in their mind. And Jesus has a pattern of what he's doing. And so this tension is building in this moment. And then verse three, kind of the key to the whole thing. Then Jesus told them this parable. And it isn't just one parable. We see it as one. There's actually three sections here. But in essence, you can really look at this and see it as one giant parable. 
that's beginning to kind of hammer home something of the way Jesus interacts and maybe what Jesus values and treasures most, which is people. And it isn't necessarily what the religious leaders or those who were kind of trying to aim their life toward God thought should be valued most. There's this great tension that's existing, this great tension that's building. See, you've gotta set the scene before you see these stories. How many of you have ever been to a movie before? Here's what you know about a movie, whatever movie it is. The opening credits, and as it opens in the opening scene, as it begins to unfold, what is it doing? It's giving you, in those first five minutes or so, a little bit of a backdrop of what's been going on until that point. You're unpacking in your mind what the scenario is that's unfolding. You're filling in the backstory. And that's what the Gospel of Luke, that's what Luke is writing, is he's wanting you and wanting me to understand, here's the backstory of what's going on. Jesus is hanging around people that religious people are afraid of, or religious people are kind of uneasy about, or religious people are beginning to go, is this really where we should be spending our time? And it's all about the reality that Jesus values people. If Jesus were to say something in our culture, Uh, he would maybe use the phrase, all lives matter. And he would speak that, and not just speak it, but he would live it. What you have to understand as you see this pattern, as you study the life of Jesus, a pattern that is a great principle for us to wrestle with. People who were nothing like Jesus actually liked hanging around Jesus which is a great question for us as followers of Jesus. Maybe you're here as a follower of Jesus and, and, and you're, a, you're a Christian, you call yourself that. Then maybe that's the question I need to challenge you with. Are people who are nothing like Jesus, do they actually like hanging around you? Because people who are nothing like Jesus actually liked hanging around Jesus. And that's a question as the church we have to wrestle with. Are we okay with that? And are we giving off the same, um, same grace and same open-heartedness and same welcome that Jesus did, that got people who were nothing like him to actually want to hang around with him? And not label, see labels limit, but love welcomes. And it draws people in. And so people who were nothing like Jesus actually liked hanging around. Jesus, and the question to wrestle with in your own life, can that be said about me? Can that be said about you? Can that be said about us? Can we hang around people who are far, or maybe far away from God, who are on their own spiritual journey and aren't there yet? We wanna be a church that's like that. Jesus goes in and he begins speaking into this tension that's there, the backstory that you're beginning to understand, and he tells these stories, right? And he says, which of you If you had like a hundred sheep, right, and and one of them were to wander off, which one of you wouldn't go looking for it? Well, of course you would. You'd go and find it, you would pick it up, you'd put it around your neck, and you would come back and you would throw a party. Because as a shepherd, that's your job, is to have all the sheep together. And you wouldn't worry about the 99 because they're fine. They're taken care of, they're settled in, they're, they're okay. You would worry about the one who had wandered off and who was lost and you didn't know what was gonna happen. So Jesus is telling the story. And people are probably thinking, well yeah, I, I would probably do that. 
if I was a shepherd, if that's my occupation, if that's what I was like. And he says, which of you, if you're a young lady and you have this, uh, in the Jewish culture, they would have this headband, right? They would have like 10 coins as part of the, the dowry of maybe what was be used to, as part of this idea of you getting married, okay? And you'd have this headband that's beautiful jewelry. And which one of you, if you lost one of the coins, which one of you wouldn't like move the furniture and sweep the house to find the missing coin and you would get it and you would bring it back and you'd put it back together and you would call your friends and you'd celebrate the fact that you found this. And he goes on, I tell you, all of heaven celebrates when one repents and comes home, when one who was lost is now found. He says that about both stories. I have a brother-in-law who has a metal detector. I don't know if any of you have a metal detector, but he literally goes out in the field sometimes and like uses the metal detector to find coins and metals and all that kind of stuff. I guess that's what you find with a metal detector. But he's out there in the fields and he's searching for it and he's, and he's telling this story about this woman who's lost this coin. Well, which one of you wouldn't like grab a metal detector from your friend and like go find what's missing because it needs to be complete. And when they do, they call and there's this party and there's a celebration that happens of one who was lost is now found. And so you have this lost sheep and you have this lost coin. And then he goes into this story that maybe you've heard about called the prodigal son of the lost son, right? The lost son who wanders off, basically says to his dad, I wish you were dead, I want my inheritance now. That's really what he's saying in the first century. And for some reason, the dad says, okay, and he divvies up the inheritance, and a few weeks later, the son takes off, and he heads out to Vegas, and he squanders all his money, and all his uh, influence is gone, and people have gathered around, and they're partying great, but then the well runs dry, and he's got nothing, and he's gotta work, in a kitchen, and then he's gonna work kind of throwing slop out at a farm with pigs, and for a Jewish boy, <laughs> that's sinking pretty low. And so he's there, and then that moment he's going, hey, my, my dad's got these servants back at his house. I'm just gonna go back and ask my dad to be a servant because that's what I deserve. In fact, I don't even deserve that, but maybe he'll hire me on because at least they have a roof over their head and they have some food in their stomach, and, and that's what I can be. And so he takes off toward home, and the father in the story sees him as he comes over the horizon, and the father, the patriarch, runs, which never would have happened in the first century. The patriarch of the family does not run. You come to them. But the patriarch takes off, daddy takes off, meets him over the hill on the horizon, tackles him with great love, and the son is getting ready to practice his speech. Dad, I'm not even worthy to be your son. I'm just trying to find a job as a servant. Can I be a handyman? Can I be the pool boy? Can I be whatever I can be around here? And the dad like, doesn't even listen to his story. And he says, bring the robe, bring the ring. My son who was lost is now home. And there's this tension that builds between the older son who's been there the whole time and they're like, why are you welcoming this son who's a delinquent, who ruined everything, who wished you dead? Why are you welcoming him home? And the whole end of the story is the father going out to the older son saying, we had to celebrate. We had to celebrate because your brother who was dead is now alive, who was lost, is now found. See, when you begin to think about what you find valuable in life, some values have a price tag to them. Some go beyond it. But when you begin to think about what God values, you begin to look at the life of Jesus and what's on display and how this goes through, Jesus, I think, is making very, very clear here. 
It's all about Jesus and people. Jesus values people. He loves people. He loves to meet people where they're at and to bring them further to where God wants them to go. What's interesting in this story is that a sheep gets lost and the shepherd goes to find them. A coin gets lost and the woman searches the house and goes and finds it. A son leaves and the father doesn't chase him down, does he? Father stays home. The father stands a lot on the porch looking over the horizon, hoping, waiting, praying that maybe his son would come home. But he doesn't run after him. And I think what you begin to see is a couple different things, really practically. God has a searcher's heart at the very core of who God is. He loves to search for people who are isolated, who are away from him, who are far from him. He loves to search for people and to bring them home. But the reality is, not only is God's heart a searching heart, God's heart is a romantic heart in a way. See, love has to be reciprocated, doesn't it? In order to be real love. It can't be a forced love. You can't force anyone to love you. See, the reality, even David begins to get at this in Psalm 8, is he begins to say, Lord, how are you mindful of us that you made us a little lower than the angels? What's interesting is David doesn't say, God, how can you be mindful of us? You made us a little bit better than the animals. See, we're not a step above animal nature. We're a step below the angelic nature. This is what David's getting at. This goes all the way back to Genesis chapter two, chapter three, when God is saying, hey, well, let's make God in our image. We are image bearers of our creator. We are not him. You are not him. I'm not him. But we are made in his image. We are the imago Dei. And the reason people have value is not based on what they can produce. It's based on who created them and says, you have value because I created you. And God stands over humanity. And I think all throughout scripture begin to see this more and more. God has a passion for people and he loves to search for people, but he will give space for people to say yes or no to him. He will search, he will make himself available, he will articulate, he will find ways, as you think back even over your story of how God's been a part of your story, your journey, you could probably see moments in your life when you put it kind of in a rear view mirror and begin to think about it, how God was active in your life, but he never forces himself. Because real love has to be reciprocated. Real love has to be chosen. But God's heart, a heart of true and real love, loves to pursue people, loves to express his love, but his heart does not force his love on anyone. He allows space for people to hopefully choose and to be voluntary in their response to love him back. That's worship. That's this idea of saying, God, I am so blown away by your love and your pursuit of me that I just wanna love you back. That's the relationship that God is looking for, that God loves people most, and he loves to search for those who are wandering and those who are lost, but God waits for people to respond to his advances, to respond to his pursuit. He will not force himself on anyone. 
you know, we have a passion as a church to invite people into a life-giving, life-changing relationship with Jesus. It's why we do everything we do. Because we wanna have a heart that mirrors more and more of God's passion for people. We have decent programs, and we have decent activities that we do, but it's not why we do church. We do church because there's a million people in this city who need to know that what God values most is them. He has a heart and a passion for them, and he loves to connect with them. And so as you're living life, as you can leverage your life to begin to point people to the one who found you, and now you are a found one, to leverage your life in a way to say, God loves people, and he loves you, and I'd love for you to discover that, maybe a little bit more. Begin to understand who this Jesus really is and what he was really about, is he has a passion for people. As a church, we want to continue to expand that. We want to be a people who continue to help us, and maybe one of the prayers we can have tonight um, is say, God, would you expand that searcher heart within me? Would you let me have a passion to reach people? Now, we can do that in practical, everyday ways, Monday through Saturday, Monday through Sunday, in your neck of the woods, in your workplace, in your school, and you'll figure out ways to do that. It's gonna be different for you than it is for me. But for sometimes, I think God kinda touches people in their heart to say, I want you to do this on a different level. And so I'm excited for you to hear from some people tonight. And so Tyler and Megan, if you're here, you can make your way up. I'm excited for you to hear from them. Uh, Tyler and Megan, uh, if you remember right, it was about five months ago. We, we sent them off, prayed for them as they went uh, to YWAM over in California and uh, Youth with a Mission. And they took on an awesome responsibility of working there in uh, the kind of the headquarters and getting ready for a trip to Africa. And they got to go to Africa for 10 weeks, about, right? Nine weeks. So they were there nine weeks working with some indigenous people all throughout kind of southern Africa. And you'll hear a little bit about that. But I know I've gotten the chance to kind of know them for quite a while. And I wanted them to share a little bit of their story of that and their story of how God's been expanding their heart for people. And so I'm going to let you share, Megan. How has God been expanding your heart for people? Let me see. Hello. 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 Uh, there we go. Maybe. Hello? No? Hello, hello. Should we use that one? We'll I see. Can, I can I think you're good. We can, yeah. Okay. Oh, All is right. it working? Yep. All right. Yep. Hi, everybody. If you don't know us personally, my name is Megan, and this is my husband, Tyler. Um, hi. <laughs> so, yeah, we, about five months ago, Elements, you guys commissioned us, and we um, did this five-month mission school with Youth with a Mission. And so it was three months of classes and biblical training in Northern California, and then we got to go to um, the country of South Africa for 10 weeks. And... Um, just give you guys a little backdrop on that. Um, we, before even going on this trip, we didn't personally feel super excited about going to South Africa. You know, we speak Spanish. We have other kind of passions in our hearts. So we were like, okay, God, why are we going to South Africa? But um, as we dove into this school and just began to really get God's heart, um, we really felt 
God telling us that it didn't matter where we went. Uh, we could have, you know, come to back to Tucson and ministered. We could have been in San Francisco. God's heart was for is for every single person in the world to know his love. And so he was like, you know, do it in South Africa. And so that gave us such a, um, I don't know, just an ability to go there and know that, yeah, God's heart was for is for everybody. Um, but to share a little personal story with you guys, the next picture, I think, is a picture of me um, with six little girls. So one of our first ministry days um, in South Africa, we were just out getting to know the community and kind of praying and asking God, you know, where we were going to be investing our time um, during this first part. That's the picture. Um, and so me and a few of um, the girls in our group were walking down the street, and we ran into that group of six girls and we stopped and talked to them for a little bit, and we're kind of, they were just drawn right to us. And we were, um, you know, just, just talking, saying hey, but kind of hurried our way away from them because um, we were thinking, okay, you know, these little kids, I don't know how much of a spiritual conversation we're going to be able to have with them. We kind of wanted to go and meet someone our age or someone that we could have a, a mature conversation and share Jesus with. So we said goodbye to them, and we continued down um, down the street, but this group of girls literally stormed after us, and we were like, okay, God, maybe we're supposed to spend some more time with these girls, so we ended up spending the whole afternoon with them, just talking, playing games, and this was like right before Christmas time, and we got to kind of share the Christmas story with them, which none of them had heard before, um, so that was really neat to share with them, and, you know, share the message that there's, you know, Jesus, he died and that he wants to be in relationship with them. And, you know, I think I had kind of overlooked them as little kids that I wasn't going to be able to share Jesus or um, even impact their life. But a few minutes later, after we shared this, they all wanted to accept Jesus. They wanted this in their life. And so we got to pray right there. And all six of these girls um, accepted Jesus. So it was really amazing. And yeah, you can give a hand for Jesus. <laughs> um, it just got, it was a way of God showing me that, um, yeah, he cares about every single person and there's no person too small. You know, I think a lot of times we rule people out, um, but that was one of our first days in South Africa and, you know, these six little girls got to, you know, accept Jesus into their heart and just the change that that's going to bring to their families is, you know, we'll never know. But it was just, that was one of the ways God showed me personally his heart for everyone. Nobody was too small for him. And <laughs> yeah, and as Jack asked us to share a story, I was thinking, you know, when you come back from Africa, you got to have like a a raising from the dead story or something <laughs> exciting, you know, if you're in missions. But what God really put on my heart was just a time where we were also out in the community and I just ran into a man named Winani. And, um, and through conversation, we just started talking for about an hour and uh, you could just see that he was hurting. He had accepted Jesus when he was young, but he, he was ashamed of the way he was living. And so I was able to just share the the Sunday school basics with him, even like, hey, nobody's too far for God, you know, God loves you no matter what, and for me, it was, it was like, duh, and we just, sometimes we overlook that, and as Jack was saying, just the leaving your 99 sheep to get the one, that's what I felt like this was, and um, he texted me after that conversation, and um, he said, Tyler, I will never 
forget the words you said to me. Like you came at exactly the right time and I'll hold those words with me like for the rest of my life. And I was just thinking like, oh wow, you know, it's just, uh, just things that we all know. Jesus loves you. But, and at that moment I felt like God was telling me like, Tyler, if you spent all this money to go to Africa and all this time and all these resources just to talk to this man, that's enough. And just, that's God's heart and his heart is so precious and his love is so precious that he'll like, he'll spend all the money he needs to to get to somebody or he'll just, you know, he doesn't spare any expenses. He'll leave the 99 sheep to get to the one. So the cool thing about that was that um, as we were in Africa, we realized we don't have to be in Africa to do this. You know, we could be, there's somebody in this room that needs to hear that. There's somebody at your job that needs to hear that. And so that was encouraging to me. I was like, Lord, that story's boring. And he's like, no, that's, that's my redeeming love. And so there's a lot of great moments. And um, yeah, that was just some short examples of just the impact that just sharing simple truths has on people. Yeah, so. yeah. And I know uh, we've gotten to, to catch up since you guys have been back and, and such, and really from the turn of the year, January on, um, really sensing that God's got a new chapter and a new adventure for you all. And uh, in a lot of ways, we were hoping you'd come back, um, and we're glad you're back. But we know we want to commission you on into this next chapter. So why don't you unpack that a little bit of what that looks like for you guys. And uh, yeah. it's an exciting thing for us as a church. Yeah, no, we're really excited. Before we say that, we just want to say thank you to Elements and also to Jack and to Brian. Um, we wouldn't have been able to do this time in Africa or what we're going to do in the future without you guys. God's really blessed us with a home church in you guys. And um, whether you prayed for us or, you know, support us financially or anything like that, or even if you didn't think of us, if you come to Elements, you're part of the testimonies that happened in Africa. And you guys are very much a part of that because we couldn't have gone without you. So thank you to that. And God's been leading us um, in our future. He's been calling us back into full-time missions with, uh, with the organization we're with is Youth with a Mission. It's called YWAM. And um, so we will be in full-time missions in Chico, California, which is Northern California. And God's put really on our hearts this season um, the Muslim population. He's been developing our hearts for the Middle East and Muslims and just to show his love to the Muslims and so there's a large population of Muslims in Chico, California which we feel called to share Jesus with and um, and also abroad so we'll do that locally and there's opportunities to do that abroad too so that's um, that's where God's leading us and it's funny the other day I met somebody and he looked at me and was like wow, I've never seen a real missionary before. <laughs> and it was just like, I was an alien or something. <laughs> but, and so we don't, we don't want to be aliens to you guys. You know, you, are, you guys are missionaries where God has called you, and we feel like this is where God is calling us. And um, I know a lot of people have ideas like, missionaries just go overseas, homeschool their kids, and come back weird, you know? <laughs> Which might happen. That could happen. <laughs> but, um, so we really want you to be a part of it, and we are going obviously as missionaries of Jesus, number one, but of elements too, where we want to represent elements. And um, so we're so excited about what God's bringing. We're leaving in two weeks. Um, We have, we have something. We have these little cards. Brian always has cards, so I feel cool. I have a card now. We have cards with our pictures on them. We'd love to give them to you just to remember to pray for us as we leave. And on the back, we're having an info night, um, 
next week mm -hmm. right after service for like 20 minutes so it's super quick in one of the rooms it says on the card but we'd love for you to be a part of it ask any questions you want because we are your missionaries <laughs> no but um yeah we just want you to be involved in what god's doing in our life and we're really excited about it so yeah and we're really excited for, for you. And so I've asked Brian to come out. And we, uh, as a church, just because we're going to have an opportunity here, we'd like to actually just pray for them right now um, because they're going to have this meeting next week. And you're invited to that. And anyone else is bad. In a lot of ways, friends, this is the cool thing. Listen, we're a church plant, right? And like we, we got started a few years ago. And who, who would have known that we have our first missionaries our second year into Midtown? That's pretty sweet, right? That's pretty cool. So we're, uh, we're honored, we are honored to partner with you guys. And every bit, uh, as you know, you know we, uh, we set aside 10% of what comes in uh, and we tithe on what comes in and we give it away to church planning and we give it away to missions. And so how you contribute to Element City Church is helping fund. It's not all of what they need. They need some more stuff too, but it's helping contribute to that and we wanna let you know that. And we're, we're excited to partner with you guys in whatever this next season begins to look like and you will have our prayer support and you will have um, our energy and our wisdom the best we can give it to you uh, all, all the way around um, and praying for you guys. So um, we'd love to take a moment if you would pray with us just where you're at. If you want to reach out your hand, you can. If you just want to pray in your seat, uh, Brian and I will pray for them and then we'll move on, uh, finish up the sermon here. So if you will, while I pray, I want you to, if you feel like, you know, putting your hands up and just pushing it towards them and just as signifying that you're praying for them, and I'm, we're just going to surround them and circle them in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we uh, just surround them in prayer right now. Lord, we ask for protection. Lord, we ask for clarity. We ask for wisdom. And Lord, it, it, is, it is a sweet spot to be praying for people going to further your kingdom. And Lord, I pray as a church that we will be full of thought for them, full of prayer. And Lord, that we will circle them in prayer. And every day that we will just, just pray for their safety and pray for their, their um, furthering in their kingdom. Lord, I just uh, pray for their financing of, of everything coming in. Lord, let you take care of that. Lord, I'm praying right now that, Lord, it's, it's taken care of, and they will go with a freedom knowing that they are taken care of and they are loved, and they are just going to pour your love out in Chico and wherever God puts them on this planet. And, Lord, we just thank you for the good willies, and what an example to us in faith blowing up and faith stretching and faith being just obedient. And Lord, just thank you that we get to be a part, seeing the journey and being a part of the journey. In Jesus' name, amen. And God, I pray for just a people of peace that you'd put in their path as they uh, make inroads there to Chico State University. I pray that you would even now begin preparing hearts of those that they're gonna connect with there, that you'd open up doors and opportunities for conversations to be pleasant and conversations to take a spiritual turn at the right time. And for them, as they share about the love of Jesus in their own life, that you would let folks begin to see that, that you really do love people. I pray that you would expand their heart and their passion to, to know you well and to make you known well. And so, Father, would you give us as a church just a continued reminder of how we can partner with them and every time they come home that we would celebrate and honor what you're doing in their lives and through their lives. We pray your blessing over them. Go before them, behind them. Hem them in with your love and your guidance, your wisdom. And we pray your blessing over them just because they're a couple of your favorite kids. Would you take care of them? We ask that in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. 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 We love you guys. We love you guys. <clears throat> I want to finish kind of this whole thought with God loves people. And as followers of God, we got to love people. It's just the reality of it. And I was thinking, you know, for 
for a lot of times as a pastor, um, it's really easy to get stuck with 99. I'm not stuck with you, I love you. But it's really easy to get kind of caught up into a holy huddle and just people who are followers of Jesus and that's where you spend all your energy and your time with and, and I've been really wrestling with, okay, how am I gonna live this out? How am I gonna practice what I preach? And how am I gonna just be this? And it was interesting, I had a friend who's a pastor in Vegas, he wrote this the other day and, and it's really been circling around in my heart. He said this, um, if you're not close to some people who are far from God, you might not be as close to God as you think you are. And I thought when, when I read that, um, that, really, that really resonated with me. That if, if you're not close to some people who are far from God, you may not be as close to God as you think you are. If Jesus is all about loving people, who are far from him, and he has a searching heart to want to go, and he's not uh, deliberate and beating people over the head, people aren't puppets to him, and he's wanting to draw people to If we're not close to people who are far from him, see, that's one of the things you see in the life of Jesus. People who are nothing like Jesus actually liked hanging around Jesus. Can that be said of your life, my life? And so I signed my daughter up for softball, right? And so I'm there, and we're at the window thing, and, and, and I simply said, hey, as, if I'm available, I'll try to help out at practice as I can, try to be one of those helpful dads, right? Well, a week goes by, and I get an email, and I see that the coach is, is his name, and then I see assistant coach Jack Schull, and I'm going, that, that's not what I said uh, at all. And I, I think you're abusing my helpfulness, and I was trying to be a nice guy, and and I told my wife, and I'm like, I, I don't have time for this. I, I can't do this. I don't have the energy. To, I just, I, I'm stretched, and blah, 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 blah. And then, you know what? If you're not close to people who are far from God, you may not be as close to God as you think you are. And that phrase, keep coming back up. And I said, yes. So you can call me Coach Jack now. Um, <laughs> I'm just trying to help people on Wednesday and Fridays and Saturdays and Mondays of loving people who I don't know their spiritual journey, but I know they may or may not be a Christian. But here's what I know. They are loved by God, and they better be loved by me. And so I'm trying to live out what we're saying. And as a church, we're about inviting people into a life-giving, life-changing relationship with Jesus. At every corner and every stretch, we don't hide that. That is why we exist. It's why we worship. It's why we give. It's why we serve in our community. It's why we do what we do. Because we want people to know that they're loved by the creator of the heavens and the earth who knows their name and who has a plan and a purpose for their life. And we celebrate that in the, in the death and the life and the resurrection of Jesus. And so as we move toward a time of communion, as we worship a couple songs here to, to finish up the night, I wanna invite you, two simple things. One is I want you to pray this week. And here's the prayer. God, would you give me a heart that searches for people like you, like you do? You have that kind of heart. Would you form in me? Would you shape in me? Would you chisel away in me if need be? A heart that searches for people like you do. And then begin praying. God, would you give me opportunities? Would you show me ways that I could begin to just love well 
because so many people have such a bad and broken and shattered conception of what a follower of Jesus is, or what a Christian really is. Would you just help me to love people well? That I might earn the right as I invest in their life to maybe invite them down the road. To just invest in them in a way that says they're loved. And so um, I'm gonna pray for us and then we're gonna have a time of communion. We'll have a couple worship songs here. And I just wanna encourage you in this time to maybe begin praying that. God, form your heart in me and would you help me to love well? And so Jesus, uh, that's what we pray for tonight. That as we close up this time, we're excited for what you're doing in the Good Wheelies life. We're excited about the opportunity we get to have as a church to, to practice this. But God, we're more excited in individual circumstances for us to put on display the reality and the truth that you love people. It's your deepest value. It's what you treasure the most is people. And Jesus, you put on display that people who are nothing like you actually liked hanging around you. And so would you let that be said of this church? Would you let that be said of the individuals who gather and call elements home? May we have a heart like that. Fathers, we remember um, the sacrifice of your son, his life, his death, his resurrection, that in the most ultimate kind of way, sealed the deal to say, you're loved, period. And you're worth the cost, that it cost Jesus everything. But he thought you're worth it. And he thinks people are worth it. And so he gave up everything, his whole life, and rose again to prove that his promise is true. The availability of life with God is true. It's available. It's here. It's accessible. So as we take communion, as we worship you, May you stir our hearts to have a heart like you that searches for people. We remember you, your life, your death, your resurrection, as we worship you tonight.